Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful sunny day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game in 2023. Also, I wanted to remind you that Deep Leadership is now ranked in the top 100 management podcasts in the U.S., and I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening into these episodes and sharing them with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about the idea of fearless leadership and what it takes to become a fearless leader, and my guest is Adrian Kaler. Adrian is the host of the Naked Leadership Podcast, and he's the perfect person to talk to about this subject. So much of what we fail to do as leaders is due to fear, and Adrian helps us get over it and become the leaders we were meant to be. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Adrian Kaler. Adrian is a leadership engagement expert and senior partner at the executive coaching firm Take New Ground. He coaches executives and entrepreneurs in the art of and science of leadership for themselves, their teams, and their clients to create new unprecedented results and experiences that will help them be more fulfilled at work. And Adrian is the host of the Naked Leadership Podcast, where he unpacks some of the unspoken challenges of leadership, and I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about the idea of fearless leadership and what it takes to become a fearless leader. So, Adrian, welcome to the show. John, good to, have, good to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. It's good to meet you, and I'm excited to talk to you and just listen to, uh, to all the experience you have with coaching up leaders. But first of all, you know, I was looking through your career, and you took a a, a strange route, uh, and I'm just curious about it. Tell us about your unique background and how it led you to coach leaders. Uh, I'm curious about it too. You know, it's funny. <laughs> whenever I uh, when I first got into coaching, which is I don't know over a dozen years ago now, I used to like dread when people would ask, "So how'd you get into what you're doing?" <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, because it is a kind of an unorthodox view. So, um, 
for those listening really briefly, I was an ICU nurse and then I was a pastor and then I was a nonprofit foundation leader and then I started coaching people. So that's the bullet. That's what I saw. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Uh, you know, and, and each of those, I loved all those roles. I loved them all. And I found out as after reflection, I mean, first off, I never like when I was 17, the, the question, which is, I think is a pretty unfair question, asking a young kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think it's the wrong question. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's more like vocational and maybe some people know, maybe you knew John, I, I didn't know what I wanted to be. Um, I knew my parents were both school teachers and I know I didn't want to do that. Um, only because all I heard was school boards and students and parents and blah, blah, blah growing up. Right. So I, I knew what I didn't want to do, but I didn't really know who I was. And I think you had to ask kids those better questions. Like, who are you? Like, what do you care about? Like, what makes you come alive? You know, what, what's exciting to you? What piques your curiosity? Who do you want to be like? Like those types of questions more than like the vocation. But anyway, out of, out of college, I, I was a, I was a pre-med guy. I decided I didn't want to go to medical school like my grandmother wanted me to do. So I, I just so happened to have a roommate who was a nurse. Long story short, got a degree, moved to Chicago because I was dating a girl in Chicago and worked at a pediatric intensive care unit there and loved it. I just didn't want to be a nurse very long. I didn't want to like raise, you know, you know, become more, essentially become more administrative. Um, but faith was a big conversation of mine. Grew up, up in a faith context, rejected that naturally, and then found my own. And and uh, but faith only mattered to me in the sense that if it would make a difference for other people, that's what was kind of you know maybe I don't know if unique, but me- meant the most to me was like activism, like faith as action in the world. And so, and I love that. And there were a lot of religious people that didn't give a shit about other people, so I tended to stand out. And you know, it would lead people, and was it was really fun. I'd always been in leadership type roles. But I did, it all mattered to me whenever I could see somebody else's life get better. And just was more interesting to me than kind of a theological study about who's right and who's wrong about the world. That part's just boring and let alone not helpful. Um, and then I moved out to LA to come be a part of a very, progressive's not the right word. We were just inventive. We, we called ourselves the research and development arm of Christianity. We just broke all the rules. Like we met in nightclubs and, and, um, we had about 3000 people in Los Angeles that would come together. You can get those types of numbers in the suburbs. That's pretty easy. But in the city that didn't ever happen, we were hyper creative and very much a visionary culture where it wasn't like one person. It was like, everybody got to bring something to the table and it was about activism and activating people's gifts and all that. And that's how I got involved in a lot of leadership training because the guy, we were well-known and, um, trained a whole bunch of people around leadership. And so I got to travel the world teaching about leadership because people wanted this guy, Irwin, that ran the church to come speak and he didn't want to go. And so they'd send punk likes me, punks like me to go speak. <laughs> so, okay. um, you know, mid twenties, I'm traveling the world talking about leadership and working with Gallup when they were just launching the Gallup Strings Finder. So how people were wired and kind of all that view on how you're shaped. And we you know, trained in Myers-Briggs and all this stuff. And then we did this character, you know, side of it too, because we were Christians. So we ought to care about, you know, decisions people were making. So, and I love that. But then out, out of that, I helped a guy in his own faith journey um, whose father was a billionaire. So he was a millionaire and he wanted to go do something with all of his money after he had this kind of epiphany, like, oh, maybe I should give my money away or give some of it away anyway. And so he asked me to come and do that. And I was just really well networked in the nonprofit world. So I traveled with teams and done all this disaster relief stuff. And, and anyway, took him around the world. Um, and he ended up really caring about uh, people had really blown it. 
and kind of his own story, right? The 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 parable of like the prodigal son, the kid that goes mm-hmm. off, has has the whole world, goes off, squanders it, and comes back, and is you know loved by the father. That's the big story. And so, who had blown? Who had gone the hardest and farthest? That's who we wanted to work with. So we ended up working in prison, uh, worked with murderers. Wow. Um, so I simultaneously had met a guy who had been running a leadership consulting firm and on the side had been doing, as a passion project, been doing gang intervention work, um, mostly on the East Coast uh, uh, in Lynn, Massachusetts. And um, met him, his name is Dan Takini, and I fell in love with this guy, just w- what he could do in a room. He was a lovable guy, of course, but just what he could do in a room from a insight perspective and a maturity and a, and a human connection perspective. I've never seen anybody be able to break through someone's BS like this, and Dan could. And Dan is a unique guy. He's, I, I joke, it's like if Mother Teresa and Yoda and Tony Soprano had a baby, that's Dan <laughs> Takini. He's it. tough as nails, grew up on the streets, ran drugs and guns all throughout California, um, but sweet and kind and also, you know, can quote Kierkegaard all day long. Anyway, really sharp cat. So I hired him to come run the training side of our foundation, and then I, it quickly became his apprentice and we just wanted to learn about what he was doing in a room. So we ran these leadership academies inside prison and took initially a group of 30 people through this three-day training called Ready for Life. And then we trained those people to be trainers and they ran their own programs and just huge life transformations. Essentially, the crux of that training is moving from a victim mindset to responsible mindset. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, then you're free. Even if you're going to be in prison the rest of your life, even the, your legacy is opened back up again because you're no longer hiding and telling some bullshit story and, you know, becoming... Staying a child, essentially. You're actually growing up and becoming a man and then making an impact. So I did that for a good while. And then um, the work got really focused, which is great. Just more, just boring to me. I don't like doing one thing for a long time. I love variety and I like big splash. So the focus of the organization ended up becoming very focused just on this one prison. And I thought, I don't want to do this. Let's see what I do next. And so out of all that, long story, very short, hopefully, um, you know, I, through that process, had gone through all these trainings, including a coach's academy, and I just loved it. So it was kind of a melding of, I like high intensity situations. I like people that are, I mean, I like being with people in transition, in crisis. I'm, I mean, a lot of, you know, it's like the situation, I'm the guy, it's like, there's been a car wreck. I'm out of the car running towards the car wreck for whatever reason. I'm not like some hero. I just dig that shit. So and if I can be of service with the medical side, great. Or even just be the calm voice in the midst of chaos, I just like being that guy. And it's fun for me, and it's not, like, that scary. Mm. Um, and I do just love being with people in these, these big crossroads moments. So if it was, like, in the intensive care when their kid's dying, you know, helping people navigate those waters, or the big, either taking a risk or making a move or doing some kind of faith-based thing, like big, you know, asking the big questions in life. I like the deep end. I've always kind of been the, I've been way too philosophical for my family my entire life. I've just always been in the big questions. Um, And then just the coaching work is just like, it's loving. It's really loving. And it's really for us anyway, really no bullshit simultaneously. So it's like, we call it fierce advocacy. So anybody that works with us loves the truth, even if they don't like it, me and then we're all humans. Um, but it comes from a place of really love and advocacy. So that's how I got into the work. Interesting. It's like there's almost a theme in there throughout the whole thing, which is helping people. Right on. It's interesting. Right on. And now you're doing it with with leaders, with entrepreneurs, and uh, that's really interesting. So tell us a little bit about um, 
your, your executive coaching firm. It's Take New Ground. Yeah. What is it that you do, and 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 what's your what what makes you unique? Why do people come to you guys? They come to us, I think, because of the dynamic I was just sharing about. Okay. Where I figured as much. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there's lots of smart people out there, and there's lots of people that there's tons of mentors, right? To go find yeah. and somebody that's like done it or has some kind of five step plan and just go teach you how to do the five step plan. We're not the five step plan people. So, you know, if you want that, go somewhere else. It's great. Go do the five step plan. We go a lot deeper than that. You know, we are really committed. We, for us, I'll just share some of our convictions and I'll share them like they're gravity. Um, they are to us, but they're not to everybody. Mm-hmm. So for us, everything comes out of an interpersonal dynamic. So business is, is relationships. Of course, there's tons of strategy and tons of competency and tons of, you know, intelligence and all that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be how are, how are human beings either working together or not working together? And all that happens because of what somebody's thinking. Essentially, all of human experience is, um, is a perception, right? So even say, like, for example, you and I right now are on this podcast. It seems like we're on the same podcast, but we're not because you're on John's version and your mind. Yeah. I'm on my version in my mind, right? And I'm saying stuff and you're, you're interpreting it and you're sure that what you think is what I actually said. It's not. Your brain's doing the math on it and you live out of your filter. And there's, for all of us, we've got some default settings to our filter for sure to survive, like look good and feel good and be right and be in control. And then we just have our preferences and all that kind of stuff. So our work goes right into that. So it's like a very, we're not mechanics. We're like human potential people. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, I, we warn every client that, hey, there are what's probably running your company or the conversations under the table. And that's where we're going first. Because in every organization, there's things we talk about, things we don't talk about, people we like, people we don't like, people we, you know, uh, encourage and think are the future of the company, people we tolerate, not just human beings. And um, there's just, if any time a, a human system is stalemated, it's because they haven't yet found language for what's wanted and needed to move it towards the goal. So... Anyway, that's enough. I could go on for five hours, of course. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I, I get a get a feel for what you guys are doing, and I think that's that's really powerful. I think we've talked a lot about it with founders, entrepreneurs. You know, to, you know, a lot of guys get stuck. You know, they're right on. And they all do. How do I get to the next level? How do I how do I get out of this you know endless loop that I'm in and that I can't seem to break free? And a lot of times they're holding too tightly to. To control of the organization, I need to you know right. give up control, but that's 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 powerful. It's really important, and it's and, and I really think it's important that that people find coaches and third parties and different set of eyes and uh, and ears to look at their businesses to to help them along because that's what's going to really help them accelerate. So that makes a makes a lot of sense. We have been uh, focusing a ton on entrepreneurs. I mean, so we we've worked in big corporations and such too. It's just more boring. Yeah, um, we love working with entrepreneurs because they're ignitable and they're really smart and really ambitious and usually pretty stubborn, um, oh, yeah. which is great, you know. <laughs> and and usually they've they've, they've created a little, little field around them, right? And they're they're just a natural kind of force of nature type, you know. And so for for us, what works is like I don't know. People would say speaking truth to power or something kind of cliche like that. I just really um, don't care. I warn them. I just I I. Uh, because I believe in you, it means I don't believe you. So I'm going to question almost everything. And I'm going to challenge almost everything for your sake. And it's not like I'm over here trying to be a devil's advocate all the time. It's just that we're all just full of it at times. Yeah. So on a practical, let me answer the question practically real quick. Because practically, I spend time coaching founders. I spend most of my time coaching founders one-on-one. 
then we come in and do team work, right? So like a two-day offsite, imagine that. Um, there were, we've got seven people around the room and then we use some, we use a, um, a leadership assessment tool called the Harrison assessment, which is not very well, not very widely used in the U S it's really unique, but looking at leadership as paradoxes, which is how leadership happens for us. That's yeah. why we're intentional a lot because, you know, we need to both take risks and we want to analyze pitfalls. We need to like both, both be frank and act and be, dim, and be diplomatic, like those types of tensions that won't be going away anytime soon. And then we do a lot of coaching on the back end with people. So we like, you know, we assess and we coach and we train. Excellent. Excellent. And you have a podcast, the Naked Leadership Podcast. What do you guys do? Yeah. Yeah. It's a blast. It's me and and Chad Brown and Dan Takini. So Chad was a client of mine about 12 years ago. And I I think he was my third client. And uh, he's fallen in love with this work and he's a media expert. So he comes in, he, he runs the whole podcast. Dan and I are on the podcast. Dan's that that uh, guy that I hired for the prison work that I talked about earlier that we're now business partners. He's the Tony Soprano, Yoda, yep. Mother yep. Teresa yeah, guy. So we, um, anyway, we, uh, if people go check it out, um, you know, we've got 150-ish episodes now and we really talk about the human, um, first off, we talk about leadership as a phenomenon, like leadership happens, right? So you can quote unquote be a leader, but it doesn't mean you're leading all the time. And, and, it, and we talk topically through issues that our clients face. So we want it to be very practical on, you know, some, some of the nuts and bolts of running a business, but also around some of these harder topics. We talk a ton about conflict and a ton about negotiation and a ton about human dynamics, because that's usually where people get stuck. Smart people uh, find it hard to deal with people that are less competent than them. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, because they're so smart, right? And and it just doesn't make sense about why is this person so fill in the blank? Well, now they got a relational issue because I can't understand that person because I'm not that curious about them because I'm full of my judgment of them, blah, blah, blah. So we talk a ton about the way to see the world that opens up bigger possibilities than kind of the myopic natural human view that is naturally pretty dogmatic. So that's how, and we have some guests on from time to time, but we found most of our audience loves to explore issues and explore concepts. So we'll do a 30, 45 minutes on a specific concept. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's good. It's a great resource for leaders that are listening in. So another resource, the Naked Leadership Podcast. Leadership. Check it out. I've listened to a couple episodes, so it's interesting. So it is a lot different than what we do, and I like it. Um, So let's just talk a little bit about leadership. Now, you've had a lot of experience working with all sorts of leaders, different stripes, different types, nonprofits, uh, you know, people in prison to, you know, hospitals, you got a lot of experience. What, what, what in your estimation is the, is the secret to being an exceptional leader? Mm. Let's see the secret, the secret. Wow. Um, I find myself pausing, not, <laughs> not wanting to give the secret. Um, or, or maybe not the secret, uh, but what, what are the, you know, what makes that, what have, what have you seen in your experience, the people that make exceptional leader become an exceptional well, leader? So many answers to that. Um, so let's see. I, uh, I'll try to put them, I'll think about them, maybe if I can put them in some pecking order here. I think someone alluded to it earlier about what made a difference in prison. Same out here, outside of prison. You know, and we'll we'll joke in any of our rooms that anybody's in, like we're all criminals. Some of us are just more restable than others. So we've all got that tendency to want to look good and feel good and be right and be in control. Like that kind of like, cover my own ass type thinking, which is 
I don't know, we call it criminal because it's, it's our dark side. Like I'm looking out for me instead of looking out for us. Like an exceptional leader is willing to take 100% responsibility for their experience and for all results. If I had to pick one, I would probably that. Like it's just a, this rugged level of ownership. Like whatever's happening right now, I either created it or I allowed it. And if you get that right, that like as a leader, I think this is true just for any person as well, but as a leader, if it's, especially if it's my organization, um, a lot of possibilities open up if I start to ask myself, even if I'm being complaining about things, which everybody complains about stuff. If I've been complaining about stuff, if, if I'm willing to ask myself the question, I wonder why I like what I say I don't want. And that's a level of curiosity. So curiosity comes along with his ownership piece. So if, he, if I can take on ownership and then infuse it then with curiosity, now I now I can move around. Now I've got some, um, you know, some, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, versatility. I can move around the field instead of just being so stuck. And I think people, why why great leaders? Well, because you can sense if someone's honest. And if you're an exceptional leader, and you can accept, you can accept and take responsibility for more things than more things than the average bear. All of a sudden, there's trust. Like if I blow it, and I can go to my people and say, "Hey guys, this thing broke down, and it's on me. I missed it. And here's why I missed it. Three weeks ago, Frank told me to look at it, and I didn't. And then Nancy told me one month ago, and I didn't. And I was just in avoidance, and it's 100% on me. There's no excuse. And here's a, here's what you expect from me moving forward. Here's how I've learned from this thing. Now that Everybody fears being that honest, but reality is if you're that honest, people flock to you in a world yep. that, that's, that's so full of, I don't know, covering up and covering your own ass and whatever you want to call it, or just hedging or blaming something or famously now blaming the market or the economy or the current administration or whatever everybody likes to do to avoid responsibility. So I guess number one would be being willing to take full responsibility. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand-built and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. 
They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough. So if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American-made gift to give away, or if you want to treat yourself, go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today. You mentioned something, and I think that, the, you know, I, as I introduced this, I said we talk about fearless leadership. One of the things I, I noticed, I did 22 years in corporate, so I work with a lot of leaders. A lot of the problems with leadership was fear-based. Didn't want to look bad. Don't want to get fired. I want to make sure I get my bonus. There was so much fear in, in a lot of the decisions that leaders made in, in the company. And it was frustrating to me because I was one of those like just own it and and you know and and let the chips fall where they fall and and right. I was always more successful than the one the, the leaders that were fear based. So how, what have you seen as it relates to fear in leadership and how do we become more fearless as leaders? Yeah. Well, first off, I think I mean fear is not going anywhere. Yeah. So I mean we're all full of fear. We all are hit by fear. We all have insecurities and we all want, I mean, we've just, first off, we don't get a vote if what our brain is doing. Our brain wants us to survive as number one, you know, responsibility of the spacesuit, keep Adrian alive, number one. Number two is save energy so later I can keep him alive if I need to. That's what your brain's doing. We don't get a vote on that. Now, so with that will naturally come fear because fear is evolutionarily uh, wired into us, right? It helps us stay alive. It helps us avoid trouble. It helps us to be accepted, you know, and looking out for trouble is really natural. So you're not going to be less fearful. That's the bad news. The good news is you can become more courageous, which is seeing a challenge, being scared and moving forward anyway. Mm. That's what courage is, at least some version of that is what I would call courage, is like taking taking serious action despite my own fears, despite my own insecurities. So I wouldn't try to go for less fear reality, but but the I, there's this beautiful relationship. The more courageous, the more courageous I become, which and courage is like a choice, not a feeling. The more courageous I become, and I like should become courageous, not just even act courageous. We have to do that in the beginning, just act it, you know, fake it till you make it, whatever. But then I actually start to believe in myself. I have what we call confidence, right? If I am courageous, I actually feel confident. Confidence is like fruit of courage. Mm. And if I'm like that, then all of a sudden I can have fears all the time. And I actually can notice my fears and they, they're not a problem for me. Like I've integrated them. Like, so when I go speak at a at a, on stage somewhere to a whole bunch of people, I know I'm going to be scared. And so I, 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 and so I know how to translate it because I, you know, when you're about to go do something big and take some kind of risk, you're going to be scared. Most people then think, Oh, I'm a fraud. I'm about to get found out. And I do that too. It comes up. I know it's coming. I know that conversation is coming. Like when I'm at the hotel the night before and I'm working through my talk and I'm sure I'm an idiot. I'm sure they're going to find me out. Blah, blah, blah. I know that conversation is coming. And I get to choose to integrate that. Like, okay, maybe I'm a fraud, maybe. Um, or I'm an imposter. Sure, great. And, and so and there's ways to prove that that's true. Like I'm, I'm writing checks. I don't know if I can cash. And from a leadership perspective, I'm taking risks. I'm doing things. I hope it works out. I'm going to throw myself at it. I hope so. 
But let's say that's let's say that's true for a second. But even more so, why am I nervous? Why am I scared? Oh, because this matters to me. Okay. You know, and so I can reinterpret my fears. They're they're now my friends. They're telling me something um, that matters to me. I don't, of course, I don't want to seem like an idiot, but I'm also getting paid good money to go speak. So I better go, you know, I'm at stake naturally. It doesn't need to be that big a deal. So the more courageous you practice, the more you practice courage, the more right size your fears become. They're there to protect you. I just don't need the protection my fear is trying to provide me. Does that make sense? I'm yeah, okay with dying. Yeah, I'm okay with dying a thousand times. I'm going to look like a fool even on this podcast. I'm going to say stuff I don't mean or say stuff that doesn't quite sound right or say, you know, I'm, you know, in, in real time. I'm just trying to be here and be real. So it's okay. Hmm. When you looked at, you know, when you work with different leaders and different entrepreneurs and people that are, you know, you know, you're helping them trying to get to the next level, get unstuck. Do you, do you run into fear a lot or do you find fear is a, is a root cause of why, why they're stuck? Uh, you know, is, is, is that, does that come up? Um, almost a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. 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 All, all of their complaints are full of fear mm. because people's complaints are any, anything, any, any way of like, cause anytime I'm complaining about something, first off, I want to notice how long I've been complaining about it. Mm. And if I've been complaining more than, let's say, an hour, um, then there's some kind of payoff to the complaint. Like there's some reason why I'm complaining instead of taking courageous action. And we go look at that. Why would you, you know, let's say Tom works for you and Tom sucks and you've kept Tom around for a couple of years. You keep complaining about Tom. Why do you like keeping Tom around? That's a fair question to ask. Like what benefit do I have by keeping somebody around that's underperforming? Most people don't ask themselves that question. They just say they're busy and they'll get to it at some point. And Tom is okay, blah, blah, blah. And they justify all their mediocrity. Oh, yeah. they'll, yet they'll complain that the company isn't doing what the company ought to do, but they won't look in the mirror and say, how am I the source of the mediocrity? Yeah. Anyway, if, if as I'm, as they're thinking through that and any of those complaints they're living in, they're just playing not to lose. Now that's a fear-based view because mm -hmm. they're just trying to, you know, for example, it, if I keep using Tom as an example, as long as he's not, doesn't, isn't costing me too much time or costing us too much money, we'll keep him around. Well, that's just playing not to lose. Right. Instead of going and playing to win. Like, hey, Tom, you obviously don't want to work here, man. Oh, what do you mean I don't want to work here? I really want to work here. Well, let's just talk about results. I'm paying you to do this and you're doing this. Let's talk. Because there's just mixed messages. And you say you want to do this, but every quarter you don't. And so obviously you don't want to, because in our view, impact shows intention. Like reality is the truth teller, not us. So we look at results like that, that they're feedback for us about our intentions. So if we were playing to win, we go have the real conversation with Tom and do him a favor of getting him in, a, in a, either in a position or at a company that he can really thrive because his life sucks because he knows he's blowing it. So people don't want to have that conversation. And then instead they live in these kind of complaints, which is just all because they don't want to, they don't want to know what's going to happen after a courageous conversation with Tom. Mm. So like there's fear of the future. That's why we try to dress up like these lesser results and try to justify them. Yeah. So anytime any leaders justifying mediocre results, that's a fear based. Anytime they're not like giving themselves feedback or searching for their own feedback. I ask clients all the time, how often do you ask your employees to give you straight up feedback? Oh, I don't know. I'll do it every once in a while. How often do you tell them to to say what you don't want to hear? Mm. Oh, never. 
And why? We're just so damn fragile. Even the most ambitious people that I work with are just really fragile. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean, I mean that there's a belief that if I got the tough feedback, it would mean something instead of just feedback. Maybe it's true. Maybe I do. Maybe I am making a wrong strategic decision and we end up getting really, you know, doubling down on our dogma instead of being really wide open and knowing that if I were to have made a mistake and come back from it and own it quickly, it actually makes me stronger. And because we won't do that, we just settle for this kind of living in the confines of our fears. So it's all over the place, man. Just because if, if humans are around, it's going to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I get a sense, you know, and I saw a lot of it where with leaders would stick with it, something that they were comfortable with, like they where, where they knew the result. And so they yes. focused all their effort on the things that they could control and they knew right. they would have a positive outcome. And any, like, for example, I had leaders that would just would not like to go to the shop floor. I've been in manufacturing my whole life. I don't want to go to the shop floor because what if they... What if they know that I don't really know what I'm talking about? Or what if they ask me why, why I haven't replaced this machine yet? So they fear like the questions that are going to be asked. And so they end, up, they end up hunkering down, sitting in their office, doing emails all day, and the people never see them. And, and yeah. so they don't have a relationship with those people. And, yeah. uh, and I think we need, to be, we need to be bold and we need to go face the honest feedback of our employees and the honest questions of our employees if we want to grow and learn and, and yeah. be a team. You know, I think right on them. Yeah, I, I yeah. certainly saw a lot of that fear. So. Yeah, right. And it's that dynamic. That's just, that's that's vulnerability, right? Like we don't, we fear being exposed. And that's just human. It's just human. I just want to give yeah. people permission. It's like, of course you're a coward. Me too, man. There's lots of shit I don't want to talk about, don't want to deal with in my own life. Yeah. Of course that's true. And everybody does that. The, the sad part for me is that that guy can stay up in that little office and do emails for the next 20 years. Yeah. You know, and just never quite, I mean, he'll end up retiring and feel bad about it at some level, right? They'll throw him a party and have cake, but he'll feel bad about it at some level because there's a part of him that never really got expressed. Yeah. You know, that never really grew. Never, nobody really knew him and he'll blame it on other people, but there's just something in back here, like between his ears like of conversations, just play it safe. And I just, man, it just, it, it irks me. Not that like that there's anything wrong with that dude. I just want him to be alive. Anytime we're like fears are running the show, we're just not going to be alive. Like vitality runs in the face of fear. Like that's where we get most alive when we take those types of risks. Yeah, that's the that's the story, right? I mean, we that's right. go on an adventure. And, and the way you go on an adventure is you go into the unknown and you do right things on. that are scary. Right you know, on. And you come out and you... And and that what that's what makes us interesting as people when we do the scary things and we and we live you know we survive it and we're like wow that was interesting and let me tell you a story of how I you know you know almost went bankrupt but I but I were able to pull it out and we're able to do this I mean those these are the stories we want to read you know uh, one of my favorite books Shoe Dog the story of Nike I mean that was just yeah failure for eighteen years <laughs> yes. yeah then now the one of the greatest companies in the world you know and 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 uh, you know but that's that was just bold, courageous, you know, and it was an adventure, you know, yeah. and that, and they didn't know what was going to happen. Right on. And right on. I think that's, that's what life is. You know, you've got to go into the bold. You have to go do the explore, do things that have never been done before. And that's when you're going to have those real true human experiences rather than sitting in an office and doing emails. You're not going to, you're not going to grow. You're not going to learn. You're not going to experience victory and or defeat, you know, or failure, you know, right on. And that's, uh, that's why, I mean, this is this work, not to get too weird. This is, that's why this is spiritual work for me, you know, 
And this isn't like Pastor Adrian talking with a theology degree. <laughs> this is just like, there's, there's a, that's a conversation of the human soul. That's what I say. Yeah. It's like this desire to go be alive, to go find out what we're capable of, yeah. to go taste death, you know, to even to like, I, there's been seasons of my life when I crumbled, man, and I blew it up and I fucked it up. You know, it's like just straight up, I'm responsible and I messed it up and it blew my life up and there was some consequences to that. And then putting all that back together and choosing to reinvent myself and coming back a lot happier and a lot more alive than I ever was before. And like all those, that's where life really is. And that's why I think to your point, like you remember stories like that of Phil Knight, you know, you watch all the movies we watch is some guy yeah. laying his life out for some kind of cause. Yeah. And for most people, unfortunately, their family isn't a big enough cause. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're on, maybe they've got some vocation. That's a great cause. Maybe, but even that, like, I mean, I've got, there's four kids under my roof. So I got four kids that are watching me and how I live life and how honest I am and how bold I am. And that matters. That's a legacy. It's happening right now. I've got 18, 15, nine, and almost seven. <laughs> and I know I'm being watched and I really want to, you know, we just got done skiing this weekend and I want to do every black diamond I can, even though I know I'm going to fall about five times and hopefully not wreck my body, but darn it, I'm not dead yet. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's so good. Now, um, we really just got started in this conversation, but I really, I really want to encourage our listeners to to really dig into uh, to the material that Adrian's been talking about because it's really good stuff. How can people find out more about uh, you, get in contact with you, your company, and your podcast? Because I really think that we scratch the surface on this idea of, of, of really living and authentic and being, you know, more courageous as leader. How can they yeah. find out more? Well, so easiest things, a couple of quick things that can find me on Instagram like everybody else, adrian.k on Instagram. If you want to find out about the firm and our work, um, it's takenewground.com. Um, if you want to practice something, which, or you can go to the Naked Leadership Podcast, you can go to the Naked Leadership Channel on YouTube, go to all those places. Now that's going to be probably interesting, but not that helpful. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, you might, you might find some insight. The insight's great. It just expires, right? Information, you, I mean, you don't remember what you read last year. So if you want to have your life changed, if you want to transform, then you're going to have to take some kind of risk. And if, you, if you're interested in this type of conversation, go to wearerevenant.com. Wearerevenant.com, R-E-V-E-N-A-N-T, like the movie. We Are Revenant, which is around reinvention. So a few, we do all this work in-house with companies and we love it and we work with great brands. And then a few times a year, we do a public training that anybody can come to and it is a personal leadership accelerant. So if you find yourself enticed at all by this conversation, come to this four-day event. It is long days. We don't mess around. It is the deep end. Let me warn you, it's the deep end. Um, and it's all about courage and about integrity and about your commitment and about your stand and really about what you want in your life. So and we're not there teaching you shit. I'm not the teacher and you're not the student. We're in this conversation together about, you know, how we're oriented to life, at like how we see life is the box that we put it in and why we want to reinvent this box and, and you know, put on a new set of glasses or pick whatever analogy you want to do. And that, that's an experience. So it's four days of deep conversation and exercises with about 40 people, most of which have their own companies, all of which are there for a reason, um, and all of which are taking risks on a, you know, throughout the days. And it's very experiential. So if you want to transform, if you want to go learn some stuff and be you know, entertained, listen to that stuff, and hopefully it'll help you. And there'll probably be some insight there. You want to transform your life, come to The Revenant. There's one coming up in April in Boise, Idaho. Um, April 20th through 23rd. It's a Thursday through a Sunday. So if you're interested in this, don't wait. 
sign up now. We are revenant.com. Excellent. We're going to go ahead and put links in the show notes for those resources. And again, that's something that if you really want to step up your game, this is a great chance to do it. Four days with Adrian. I'm, I'm sure more will come out of that. Come on, John. You can, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> I got to look up what the price is. <laughs> it's cheap. It's cheap. Uh, <laughs> no, it sounds good. It sounds great. That's exactly what I think we need. Uh, and we need, we, often, often we need people to help us to think right on about our we businesses do. and about ourselves. So absolutely. I do this crap all day long and I need help, right? I mean, we all need help. I mean, that's the first, that's the, I think that's the, maybe the first lie, yeah. you know, in humanity is that life is better if I can do it or success is better if I do it myself. Right. Or that I ought to be, a, that I ought to be independent. And right. wow, that's been around since the beginning of time. And it's, it's the beginning of despair. Yeah. For most people. I know for me at times, whenever I, I joke, but it's always true. Like I always need more help than I want because I'd rather not want help. I'd, you know, I don't want it. I want to do it myself. Watch me, mom. Watch <laughs> me, dad. Look, I can still do it. And every 50 year old still doing the same thing. Like, I, let me do this myself. Like, no. Until we get to the end of our rope. And then we're I like, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's a big part of the training, by the way. So, okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah, we're going to put links in the show notes again. It's uh, wearerevident.com, and we're going to put links in there. It's April 20th, 23rd. And uh, again, it's the Naked Leadership Podcast. The, the companies take new ground. We're going to put links in there. Adrian, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for getting us to think differently uh, about our lives, about our leadership, about fear, about courage. And uh, I, this, is, uh, this has been informative to me, and I know it has been for our listeners as well. Quite an honor, man. And great, great, to, great to be with you. Great to be with your people. Love to, love to talk to anybody. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. You got it. Thanks, John. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share as we continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.